Chapter 6. So, what did God talk to us about for the next three hours, you may be wondering? He talked to us about the truth, His truth. He described to us in astonishing detail what was coming and what we would need to do. Father explained to us that all His children are born divine and of worth, and that it is society that shouts to us that we are not enough. Out of fear of judgment and fear of failure, we listen. We strive to become what society tells us people will respect instead of becoming the person we would respect. Father's eyes seemed to fill with hurt and sadness as he shared with us that over time, so much heavenly truth continued to be hidden, lost, and even stolen. He told us of the multitude of truth removed from the Bible and other writings because of pride, greed, and ignorance. He explained that man has also eradicated anything that seemed fanciful or magical over the years. Those in power would excuse truth being removed from the history by stating that it was for everyone's own good. It seemed they believed that humans are just too fragile and weak-minded to handle the full truth. The truth of their actions was not so noble as this, Father said. When man became so very cruel and worldly, the richest of whom were the rulers, they began to covet and hide my truth to enslave my children. Many who claimed to know my word would demand gold and goods for the privilege to hear the truth. Most of the time, however, it was more fear to control my children, keeping the truth hidden away. They believed nobility to be the only humans to be worthy of my truth, while disregarding the elements of truth that did not please them, Father continued. He told us that many of his children came directly to him for answers and lived lives of peace, love, and joy. But many others did not and fell prey to the lies that led to a lifetime of fear on earth. Father said they removed even the writings about our Heavenly Mother, his wife. Wait, what? You have a wife? I gasped. Father smiled at me because he knew... I was already aware for many years now that Heavenly Mother was sitting next to him in heaven. I made the joke because it seems to be a very controversial subject. He said to us he does not understand why it is so hard for humans to believe that he has a wife. Did I not explain that all would be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father asked? He continued by saying, Why would you be sent to earth with the instinct to have a mate and reproduce if it were not the same in heaven. If I created all of your spirits alone, would you not be able to create your children alone without a mate? He expressed his disappointment with the fact that all crucial historical information about women would be removed because of fear and hatred, something that I will go into more detail in my next book. He described how skewed and perverted his words and character had become telling us sadly that the darkness loves to shout what a jealous and vengeful God he is. This act is to spread fear and deter each of us from the desire to hear our Father in heaven, and so many of us believe it. But he is just a dad that loves us and wants more than anything for us to be happy. There are only a few things we can do on earth that will get Father riled up. When I asked him which one displeases him the most, he became quiet for a long moment. I was just about to apologize if I had overstepped with my question when he answered. The most tragic transgression is for one to convince another that I do not exist. It is not because of arrogance that I say this, 
but for the sadness of the soul that stops growing. It is a great hindrance to the soul that ceases expanding during life on earth, for they must continue that growth before the next period of glory can begin for them, Father explained. The growth on earth that is possible to obtain in 80 years will take the equivalent of 80 million years in the next realm. Time does not exist in the heavenly realm, so it is impossible for me to explain this further, Father said. I ask God, so if I tell someone you're not real, and they believe me, I should expect a smackdown in heaven, I joked. I am fully mindful that you have never doubted me, but only yourself, child, Father chuckled. But there are other methods used to blot me from the minds of my children, he said, with what seemed to be a mixture of sadness and annoyance. Ian and I both looked to the other for clarification. Father could see that we did not understand another way to accomplish this, so he expounded. I gave one absolute promise to each of my children, the promise that I would never take your free will to choose your path on earth. It is ingrained in your divine spirit. It is the reason that any time you feel that you are being pressed to go against your desired path, you will resist. Now imagine the effect on the human mind if you are continuously surrounded in judgment and fear as you attempt to follow your desired path, all the while being told that it is my will and word that you are being judged by. By nature, you would be forced to change your desired path or come to believe that I must not exist so you may find your peace, love, and joy, Father stated. Trying to be sure I understood his meaning, I clarified by asking, so raising a child in an environment and told that you, God, will not love them if they do not follow certain guidelines, that divine spirit is having free will taken and the blame put on God for a human's actions. There will always be those who attempt to create fear to scare my children into relinquishing their free will by threats of hell or damnation. But are they not attempting to undo the promise I have made? the promise to all my children to never take free will? Are they not attempting to put their will above the God of creation? If they indeed had my truth, they would know that fear is not of me and they would not spread it. If they indeed had my truth, they would know that the authority to judge does not reside on the earth and they would not do it, Father stated sternly. He continued by saying, Therefore, the act of spreading fear, hate, or judgment, disguised as my word to coerce any of my children into surrendering their free will, will be seen by the heavens as an attempt to put oneself before me, the God of creation, and therefore breaking the first commandment. No one breaks it down Barney-style like God. Ian and I both sat in stunned silence as we took in Father's words and his meaning. The first commandment says, Thou shalt put no other gods before me. I started to think about how I have judged others and been unkind in my life at times. I could feel the disappointment Father felt that any of his beloved children would indulge in judgment and spreading fear. I made a mental note that I would need to be sure that I never repeated that behavior again. It is the responsibility of each divine spirit to speak their truth with no fear of judgment. 
It is not your place to convince another of the validity of your truth, as this would be akin to attempting to take free will. When you speak your truth to another, their divine spirit will know it to be truth, or they can reject it if they choose. The truth never has to be defended, my child, because it just is, Father passionately shared with Ian and me. He continued with this line of thought by helping us to understand that we are not less if someone does not agree with us, that we are all allowed our own truth. But just as we have the right to our own truth with no judgment, so does everyone else. If we desire to speak our truth and not judged, then we must allow the same for others, even if we disagree. That does not mean that you have to concede on a matter that you do not agree with. What it means is that you should speak your truth in a polite and respectful manner without fear and allow others to do the same without judgment. To be respectful of each other's views, which will turn a confrontation into a conversation. When we listen to an opposing view without the need to form a rebuttal, we can truly hear what is being said. Isn't that what you would like others to do for you? To listen to you when you speak instead of just crafting a response? If I like vanilla ice cream and you like chocolate ice cream, which one of us is wrong? If I cannot convince you to prefer vanilla, am I less? We are all allowed to have our own truth with no judgment. Father gave Ian and I a simple guideline to help us always check our actions to be sure that we are not being judgmental. He told us that if you add a label or an action to the person or event, it is judgment. Let me explain that with an example. If I were to say that I believe that pedophilia is wrong, that is my opinion, which, because of free will, I am allowed my own opinion. If I were to say that all pedophiles are dirtbags, that would be putting a label on it and judgment. If I were to say that all pedophiles should get the death penalty, that would be putting an action to it and judgment. How did I not know all of this, Father? Why is it not common knowledge to every human being, I asked, completely exasperated. He explained how as humans we have become reliant on man or society to tell us what God's will is instead of asking him ourselves. Sometimes that lack of communication with Father is out of self-doubt that we surely cannot hear him, and other times the false fear that there will be consequences for us if we're wrong. Father shared with us he does not dispense punishment on the earth. He also said that each one of us can hear him as if he were standing next to us. He told us that society has taught so many of his children from birth that we must be a certain gender, a certain age, a certain faith, single, married, gay, straight, licensed, schooled, layman, set apart, set upon, or just plain born into divinity to hear Father personally. He said that there have been more lies told to convince humans that we are not worthy enough to hear our own Father in heaven than there has been truth spoken to teach each one of us how to hear him perfectly clear. Father would tell us that the greatest challenge each of his children struggled to overcome is fear. He told us that fear is not of him and that fear is a lie 100% of the time. I jokingly said to Father that I believed a little fear is good to keep us motivated. As a mother, do you want your children to feel fear 
or to be aware and respectful, father questioned me clearly. Aware and respectful, of course, I replied. Am I a lesser parent than you, my child? Father softly asked. No, father, you are not, I humbly replied. He then softly said, but yet you have so easily believed what society has told you about how to interpret my word instead of asking me directly, have you not? Was that aware and respectful or out of fear? I was too ashamed to answer this last question because he was right. I had allowed society to tell me what the words in the Bible and other scriptures meant without once asking Father for clarification. Fear is not of me, child. Fear is not truth, Father said emphatically. If fear is not truth, why would you plan your path on earth by fear? Look back at your life, my child. Was not every choice you regret rooted in fear? Fear of judgment? Fear of consequences? Fear of failure? Fear of loss? He went on to say that fear is the only way that negative energy can attach to you. You cannot invite it in. They cannot put it on you. You cannot walk through a haunted building and have it jump on you. Fear is the only way to let negative energy into your divine spirit. When we allow fear, it creates an opening into our divine spirit, which will give the dark energy an access point. He also said that the phrase, do not fear, is in the Bible 365 times, once for every day of the year. I believe it was Father's way to help us know how important not allowing fear would be for our lives here on earth. I did not count how many do not fears were in the Bible myself, but I googled it. Google confirmed that the phrase do not fear is in the Bible 365 times. Not that I thought God had it wrong. Father continued to explain the negative side effects of fear by saying, fear allows anger and anger hides fear neither of which are truth. He could see the confused look on Ian and my face as we tried to understand what was being said. Father clarified by saying, anger is the easiest emotion to experience and the only emotion that has no loss attached to it. If the anger leaves, you feel better. If the anger gets worse, you feel more justified. All other emotions have the potential to produce emotional pain, Father continued. If you love something, it can be lost. If you are full of joy, it can be taken. If you are sad, it can be made worse. Fear is the hardest emotion to feel because it is not of me and therefore not truth. It is unnatural and foreign to the divine spirit and therefore the most uncomfortable to feel, Father explained. Father continued by saying, so it is human nature to process fear through the most comfortable filter, which is anger. Let me give you an example to hopefully clarify the point Father was making. A few years ago, I was quite overweight. If Ian would have said to me, do you really think you need another donut? As I was reaching for my fourth one, I would have been livid because of my fear of how people perceive my physical appearance. If Ian were to say the same thing today, I would laugh and tell him that I needed the whole box. What has changed? I have lost some weight, but I'm still a big girl. The difference is that I no longer fear how people perceive my physical body. No fear, no anger. That works for me. Father taught Ian and me that when you get angry, 
Find the fear you're hiding from so you can remove it for good. Remembering that fear is a lie 100% of the time. As you remove fear from your life, peace, love, and joy will start forming right before your eyes. Imagine never feeling that pit of fear in your stomach for the rest of your life on earth. Ian and I have watched this miracle emerge in our own lives over the last year. Father said, Just as you cannot have complete light if there is darkness, you cannot have complete darkness if there is light. Peace, love, and joy is the absence of fear. All will be balanced without fear, Father revealed. Father needed Ian and me to know how to remove fear because of what he would share with us next. When Father began explaining to Ian and me what this path would require us to accomplish, I was trying to fight off the fear of failure on a scale I never believed I would ever experience. It was all overwhelming to my human brain. God himself was sitting on my bed speaking to my husband and me. I could not convince myself this time that it was a brain tumor or mental illness. I could no longer hide from what I was being called to do. I tried to focus on Father's voice as he cautioned us about the constant and intense judgment we would face and the potential fear that judgment may invoke within us. He told us the cruelty and ridicule that we would endure would be on a level that would rival my childhood. It would come from every area of our human lives, from our family, friends, and even strangers, but most of all, fellow church members who may not respect our free will as we change our belief system. Father told us that there will be many that claim to love and follow him and his beloved son Christ while using Father and Christ as their authority to pass judgment and spread hate to stop truth. Father was very clear that this would be part of what we would face if we chose the path he was laying out in front of us. This part did not sound pleasant at all. Father reminded us that man had been using fear to control God's children since the beginning of time. I began to have a troubling thought trying to make its way into my brain. I was remembering the recent events taking place over the past few years throughout the world. There had been so many incidents involving acts of bloodshed against human beings by human beings. The general attitude of the world seems to have come to the belief that if something or someone is different or offends you, you must cancel it or discredit it. If you cannot cancel it or discredit it, then somehow you have the right to kill it. This was a mark in the not today column. I was very naive back then and imagined that Ian and I would only have truth and our love as a shield for our fragile human brains and even more fragile bodies. This was not a reassuring thought. But we would have each other, and we would have Father. That is more than most people know that they have. Father was clear on how truly hard and emotionally painful some of the events would be. He also wanted us to know how amazing a lot of it would be. It was vital for us to understand the level of resistance the darkness would provide in our journey to bring the world Father's truth, but also that we had agreed to this path before our divine spirits and human bodies came together on this earth. We had agreed to assist Father to bring his children home to him with truth. Why me, Father? I get how Ian is divine. That's why I chose him as my husband. But why me? What have I ever done to make you believe that I am worthy of your love and trust? What is so divine about me, Father? 
father smiled at me and said, What is so divine about you, my child? Nothing. And everything. You are no better than any other. You are just different. Why have I come to you this day, my precious daughter? Because you said you would.